0: Welcome to another edition of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder.
1: And I'm Sarah Severson. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. And today, we're at the amazing KSJD Studios in downtown Cortez, Colorado.
0: That's why the sound is so clear and crisp. Amazing. Can you hear me whisper?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The story you're about to hear was told by Rachel Landis at our live storytelling event in August when the theme was Exposure.
0: Rachel Landis splits her time between Durango, Telluride, and mountainscapes up and down the spine of the Rockies. Her ready personality profile depicts her as a good old-fashioned enthusiast, which means she does and loves doing just about anything and everything. Currently, her palette of doings includes scavenging feral foods from neighborhood trees, honing her throwing arm to accurately place snow explosives, and fighting the good fight to save the world one community project at a time. Here's Rachel's story.
2: My 20s, I was very much a wild child. Uh, and I was far more comfortable being exposed to the elements than I was inside. Uh, At the time, my job was kind of this split between guiding and outdoor education, and between the two, both because I never made enough money to actually pay rent, much less buy anything, and also because there's this kind of magical element to adventure where it's like a positive feedback loop and adventure begets adventure begets adventure. I spent far more time outside than I ever did in. And I got so comfortable outside, I actually had adverse re- uh, reactions to civilization. So um, as one instance, I, I was, I'd been out in the field for about four months and I got an inner ear infection. I got really sick, I had a fever, I actually lost my balance, so I was falling all the time. And I, uh, I had to self evac and I paddled out to a trail and hiked a trail to a trailhead where someone met me to take me to the doctors. And when I got there, I was so panicked by these like square corners and the fluorescent lights and the whitewashed walls that I looked at the receptionist I was like, okay, when the doctor's ready for me, he can find me out in the yard. So during my wild child years uh, in 2010, I got a call uh, asking if I wanted to work a 14-day self-supported whitewater canoe trip up in Algonquin Provincial Park on the Petawawa River. Has anybody been there? Yeah, those are my people. Um, And of course, I was like, whoa, yes. Um, So if you don't know Algonquin Provincial Park in this particular part of the world, uh, it's right below the Canadian Shield and it's a huge mass of protected lands. And it actually spans both Ontario and Quebec and the Petawawa kind of runs throughout it all. And it is so wild and so pristine and undisturbed that it supports amazing biodiversity and um, one of some of our more kind of sensitive species, including a giant wolf population. And so I was definitely on this trip. This was where wild children go. Yeah. <laughs> so trip, trip. we're, we're out the door. We um, start our trip where all trips begin at the Mountie Station. And we're there to get our permits. And in addition to kind of the, you know, the info desk and the Mounties with their puffy pants, there's also this interpretive display with all kinds of books on flora and fauna. And um, for those of you who know me, I'm a, like, penultimate dork. And so instead of paying attention to the hardcore, rapid information, I was like, oh, look at this book on you know, birds. Um, So I'm over there, and I'm there with a student named Mike, and one of the books we come across is a book on the wolves of Algonquin Provincial Park. And we picked this thing up, and in the few seconds uh, we had thumbed through it, what we learned about is that the populations who live on kind of the outskirts of the park, um, every full moon would drive to the park entrance, park their cars, gather together, and howl at the moon. The end goal of which was to get the wolves to howl back which they did Um, so Mike and I were like oh hell yeah we're doing this every night Um, so permits in hand wolf book in hand we head out we hit the river have an incredible trip it's wild and rugged and adventure at its core and uh, about every night Mike and I would sit down and read maybe a sentence we weren't disciplined maybe a sentence or two of this book and we'd howl and nothing would ever howl back um, and so on day 10, long day, ends in one of the longest, most technical rapids we'd been in yet. There's like a dog leg in this rapid. You don't want to do dog legs if you canoe, just so you know. They're like long, straight boats that don't turn well. We pinned a boat. I got a leg puncture. All kinds of bad things happened. Um, but we get to the basis rapid late, and so we end up deciding just to camp on the islands right at the bottom of the rapid. And so get in late, everybody's tired, whatever, make camp. And Mike and I, being disciplined, ill-disciplined, but still disciplined, we read our book just a little bit, enough to find a text box that informs us that the reason the wolves haven't been howling back is because we are in the southernmost part of Algonquin Provincial Park, and the wolves are in the northwesternmost part of the park many hundreds of miles away. And um, so being both tired and practical, uh, we didn't howl that night. And the next morning, I get up super early. I... uh, I love to run and move. And so sometimes I don't get enough of that boating. And I grabbed a a canoe and I was gonna solo over to the shore. And um, in Canada, along the riverways, there around these rapid sections, there tends to be these portage paths. So if you're coming down and you don't want to do the technical whitewater, you can kind of pull your canoe out and hike around. Or if you're Canadian, um, you actually paddle upstream because you're just a hard ass, and for whatever reason, go against the water. <laughs> and so I get out of my canoe. I'm headed to shore for my run. I'm so stoked. It is incredible if you haven't been to this part of the world it is the water is black and it's got this like inky smooth quality to it and um, again we're on the canadian shield so there's all these granite slabs that just slide into the water and they're coated with moss and there's hemlock trees and larch trees and white pines and ferns and it is just this dense mat of alive and i'm out there and it's kind of misty and the loons are crying and it is magical unicorn land and also a little eerie. So I, I pull my boat up on shore and I get out and I start my run and it's awesome. I'm in my flow state, I'm going, and you know this forest is closing in around me and as I'm running I notice like in the mud this giant canine print. I was like, oh, those those Canadians, they bring their pets too. Ha 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 and uh, I keep running (laughs) for a ways, and eventually notice this little spur trail off to the left. um, And I am wild and a child. And so I decide, oh, yeah, I'm going the path least known. So I take this little spur trail, and suddenly the forest gets that much denser. And there's like, you know, I'm getting touched by all these things, and I'm wet, and it's awesome. Um, And I go for about five minutes (laughs) in this dense clutch of forest. And suddenly to my left, literally right next to me, I hear the breaking of a branch, like snap, crackle, pop. I stop and I I look over there and my heart starts racing, my breath starts going really, really fast. And I'm peering and I'm trying to see what's over there and I can't see anything. But then my brain kicks on and I'm like, Landis, you're fine. You're fine, you're an adult, you so got this. You're in the Northeast for God's sakes. And um, I also, I am a person with a huge imagination. Like in the past, I thought I've been being abducted by aliens, it was a guy playing with his headlamp. I've convinced myself I was being attacked by a bear, it was a donkey. Like I have this habit of really getting overreactive and so I said, no, okay. So anyways, keep running, got it under control. And uh, off I go and I go another two minutes, maybe, and nothing more, and literally right next to me again, snap, crackle, pop. A really big something breaking branches. And so I stop again, and my heart starts racing, and my breath starts going really shallow and really fast, and I'm peering into this dark black forest, and I can't see anything. And then, right there, from 10 feet away, nothing more, just trees between us, there's this deep, guttural, <laughs> and then it starts howling. (laughs) And in that moment, I don't actually know what happened because my brain stopped, and the only thing that happened was I became instinct. I really, truly became a primal being, and I ran. (laughs) And it wasn't until I got back to my canoe, and I sat in there and started paddling really shaky, And that the thoughts started coming, the what-ifs and the what-have-yous, and the fears started to hit me. Um, And as I kind of paddled across that glassy water, I realized that that is a very different kind of exposure than what I'd had before. And in it, truly the wildest I'd ever been. And... um, So I of course keep paddling over this island and I get there and there's my whole group. They're lining the shore and there's Mike, my howling buddy, and he's just at the front of the group looking at this huge smile and huge eyes. And he goes, Rachel, did you hear it? (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thanks, Rachel, for telling that story. For more from Rachel, stick around for the outtake at the end of this podcast.
1: And to hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share the stories with your friends.
0: If you want to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to the RavenNarratives.org and fill out the form on the contact page.
1: You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers and find out what the themes will be at upcoming events.
0: The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. You can find out more at ksjd.org. Special thanks goes to Eric Bullrice for helping us record the Raven Narratives stories told at the Durango Arts Center. Yeah, you killed it. That
1: was nice. Support for the Raven Narratives comes from Red Scarf Shots Photography Studio in Durango, Colorado. Find out more at redscarfshots.com. Now for the outtake. Brad <laughs> story. This is such a cool experience, Did you, you, and you saw. I no, you see it. See it's so dense. Wow. Oh my God. And do you know if he or she ran, was running? Besides. you I don't think so, no yeah. and
2: then like we ended up doing like keeping reading the book then and uh, I did some research afterwards and just like learning about the behavior of lone wolves and like mm-hmm. why would there be a lone wolf so far from where all yeah, the others were good question. so this this guy was most likely an outcast from um, mm-hmm. the group and they're really for large prey they aren't that threatening at that point because yeah. they're used to being pack animals yeah. so, so, he, so looking,
1: he, he was looking for his pack
2: or something or a pack or just warning me like curious but also just like okay this person might be a threat I'm going to try to scare them Uh is the howl meant to scare
1: is that part of it you know I don't know actually it feels like it's a communication yeah Yeah.
2: maybe it was calling me to be part of it's
1: tribe